Good morning, Hill City. Why don't you stand with us as we worship today?
Well, welcome to church. Amen. It's like a party in here this morning, right? <laughs> welcome to Hill City. If you're new, if you're a guest, welcome. We welcome you today. We're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you've uh, come to just be in this place with us and, and fellowship and, and learn about God and grow closer to each other and grow closer to him. So um, I just, I'm going to pray this morning as we enter into worship. Um, so God, I just ask that you would just fill this place right now, Lord, with who you are. God, we love you so much. We, I get overwhelmed sometimes by your love for us, God, and Lord, I just ask that you just fill this place right now with who you are and with your presence. Let your spirit come and fill this place. Draw us close to you. Help us to walk just a little bit further, closer to you today. Help us to focus our minds and our hearts on you right now, Lord Jesus. Be in this place right now. We just honor you today. Thank you. 
Take a moment in prayer and ask God to show you. Take a moment. Just close your eyes. If you never closed your eyes before, just try. Close your eyes and ask God, show me your heart, God. Lead me today, God. Fill me today with your heart, God, so that I can spend my life, Lord God, on you, Lord God, and for those around me, Lord God, for things that are a lot bigger than me today. Just take a moment, God. Speak to my heart. Fill me with your love. Lift your voice, guys. Just put the words right up there. The firm foundation I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be just speak to us right now. I believe that you've already put people in our minds and our hearts, Lord God, and we have intersected our lives with people that you want us to pour our lives out on, Lord God, as you have poured your life on us, Lord God. Lord, I believe, Lord God, it is this, it's this beautiful, Lord, thing that's happening, God, as you have given your life to us, Lord God. I pray we live it to the fullest by pouring our life out, Lord God. We love you and we thank you. We honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. You guys can be seated. Greet the person next to you. Yeah, God bless you guys.
Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing? You guys good? It's, it's a good Sunday. It's a good Sunday. As the guys in the back are getting together, we're getting ready for offering. We have a couple things coming up. Next week is our Labor Day celebration. So it's a perfect time. That's right. It's a perfect time for you to invite someone into this place. We're going to have food. We're going to have conversation starters. Uh, we're we're going to speak about Jesus, of course. Uh, but uh, the biggest thing is that we. I want you guys to start generating a heart of just thinking outside this place, thinking outside this box. Who can we serve uh, with the love of God, like he has served us and loved us, that he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I believe that that is our heart as well. And as the guys come forward, we're going to take offering. And, I, and, and this is going to, of course, to continue what we're doing here at Hill City. But we want, to, we, want to be, we want you to be generous in your giving as we want to reach outside these walls. We want to reach those far from Christ. And I, I believe that that as we give and as we serve this community, that God is going to do his thing through you guys. This is not something that uh, we do just through us as a, a, a couple of guys up here, but through you guys, that God wants to use his church. Amen? I'm going to say that again. That was, that was weak. That God wants to use his church. Man, I, I hope that that's your heart. And, and, and that's what we're going to do moving forward. I just want to say congratulations to Alex and Nicole. They just got married. I got to do their wedding. Yeah, that's right. Such a cool wedding, too. I was, I was just telling mom today. It was, it was cool. It was cool. But let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this moment in time that we get to be together, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that the greatest thing that we can do when we see one another is just Man, just love one another, to see ourselves in them, in their need, in the, in the love that they need, Lord God. And I pray, bring us closer together, Lord God, so that we can serve, Lord God, one another and those far from you, God. I pray, Jesus, that today, that it's your day, that you would be glorified today. That just means that you would be the main attraction, that people would encounter Jesus and lives would be changed, Lord God, because we don't change lives, you do. And I pray as we continue as, as your church, Lord God, I pray that's what we do moving forward. We thank you, we love you, and we honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. And thank you for your giving. So I want to remind you one last time, next week, it's our Labor Day potluck service hangout time. And, uh, but the biggest thing is I want you to invite someone, and we're going to put something up on Facebook and online. It's going to have your last name, and you can bring some food. And we would like that. And if you are horrible at cooking, just buy something. Like, don't suffer through it. That is, sometimes it is not your gift, right? All right? If your husband doesn't like your food, never mind. I won't go there. I won't go there. But uh, just thank you guys for being here. We got something special going on today. Uh, we have a, a special guest to speak to us today. We've been going through consulting for the last several months. And, we, uh, and you guys know that. And we've taken surveys. We've done focus groups, interviews. And, and the whole goal to this is to make sure that we can make the greatest impact with the short life that we live. Isn't that true? With the life that we have, with the gift of life that God has given us and bringing us together, we have went through this consulting because we want to become healthy and stay healthy. Is, is that true? 
right? We want to we want to make the greatest impact. So today, this is a this is a friend of mine. His name is Stan Reeb, and he's going to speak to us about the vision of God, and then we're going to move forward on uh, on the outcome of what we've learned this week or this uh, past several months. So please give a hand to my friend Stan. Well, I do appreciate the opportunity to be here today, and I do count it a privilege. And uh, I have to tell you, you and I'm in a lot of churches, so I, I spend virtually every Sunday in a different church. You got some awesome worship music. Um, it, it, it's not just good; it's really good. So um, don't uh, take it for granted. Uh, assume that every place you go, you're going to experience. Uh, that kind of worship. So I really do appreciate that. As Pastor John uh, shared, um, the church has been going through this assessment process, not because there's this big problem that needs to be fixed, which oftentimes we're called in to work with churches that are going through difficulties, but really it's uh, they're, they're, they're doing this so that they can do the best. And, and I really appreciate uh, leaders who want to do God's best uh, with and for the church. And so um, we as, a, as an organization have uh, worked with many churches. We've done assessments like this, well over 100 churches across the United States. And so um, we've always found it that when churches uh, are willing to open up, expose themselves to outside eyes and ears and minds, and uh, then desire to move forward, that uh, God honors that. Uh, because it's a, it's a it's a, a statement, an act of humility that says, "Okay, we perhaps we don't know everything, and perhaps somebody else can help us uh, move forward in relationship to that." So, again, Stan Reeb, I work with the Rocky Mountain Church Network. We're an association of churches uh, across the Front Range, uh, all the way up into Montana. A bunch of churches that have the same common goal and mission for expanding God's kingdom and seeing people come to know Jesus as their Savior. That's just the highest priority that we have. Also, I'm the, the president of uh, Church Health Strategies. It's the, the arm that does the assessment process. Um, have had that, I've had uh, 40 years, nearly 40 years of ministry experience um, that I've been involved with. Used to pastor down in Castle Rock uh, back before it became the booming community that it is. Uh, and uh, when the, the encroachment of all those people came, I moved to a little town in Wyoming called Chugwater. Does anybody know where Chugwater is? Yeah, you drive by, you blink, and it's... And uh, spent uh, 10 years there. Actually became mayor of the town. Now, around here, it isn't all that impressive. I tell you, when you go to China and you say you're the mayor of a town, it gets you some perks, okay? Uh, so uh, God uh, is blessed in that and uh, very grateful for all that he's uh, allowed us to be involved in. Uh, with me in this process was Matthew Fight. Uh, and Matthew is the pastor at Good News Community Church in Broomfield. Uh, pastor John knows him through the uh, a pastor learning community that we sponsor. And uh, it's an opportunity for a bunch of pastors to get together and uh, commiserate about the difficulties of ministry or also to be better equipped uh, to engage ministry. And Matthew has uh, many years of pastoral experience. I think we counted up, uh, actually it totals more like 23. So we're bringing 
bringing about 60, almost 70 years of ministry experience uh, as we look at your church and as we uh, were allowed to be involved in examining it. Now, there is a biblical basis for this whole assessment process. And it's found in, in, in particular two areas. First of all, the epistles. When you read through the epistles, basically, they're uh, addressing an issue in a church. Paul is saying, uh, here's a particular issue, and let me give you my ideas on it. And beyond just giving you my ideas and the theological basis, here's some steps you can take to improve and to fix the particular issues that are engaged there. The other one is the letters to the seven churches in Revelation. And in those letters, uh, the, the Christ, who is the head of those churches, um, looks and examines each one. And for some, he says, boy, I see some really good things going on in your midst. And, you know, stick by me and do my will, and God, I'm going to bless you. But other churches he looks at, and he says, listen, I, I've looked at you, and I've looked behind the scenes, and I've found you wanting. Uh, there's, there's some issues here. And uh, one, one of the great challenges in the books of, uh, of Book of Revelation is the idea to, to challenge those churches to repent, to turn, uh, to not do the same things. And so, again, that idea of examination, uh, assessment, and then prescriptions of how you can bring about change. Now, for some of you, I, I apologize. You're going to have to endure this one more time. You've probably heard it two or three times, and perhaps you're even tired of hearing it. But I just want to share with you the assumptions that we uh, have when we come in and do an assessment, because they really lay the foundation. No matter what kind of brand of church you are, uh, we believe that these assumptions apply to each and every one of them. The first one is this. We assume that that which is healthy grows and reproduces. In God's creative order, whether it be churches or trees or human beings, a sign of health is growth, and the ultimate sign of maturity is the ability to reproduce. So we always ask the question, what's the fruit of an apple tree? And of course, your mind runs to, well, of course, it's an apple. But in reality, the fruit of an apple tree is not an apple. It's another apple tree. Because we steal that fruit, and we eat it and consume it, but really it's there designed by God to fall to the ground, uh, the seeds get into the soil, produce another apple tree. So again, the, the signs of health are uh, the ability to grow and reproduce. I have uh, 10 grandchildren, uh, and uh, one of the things when they were much younger, when we would talk with our family members, we'd ask them questions like, are the kids getting bigger? Are they growing? Are they, you know, are they manifesting the signs of health? And so, again, that whole idea of given all equal circumstances, that which is healthy grows and reproduces. The second assumption that we make is this, that Jesus is building his church to defeat sin, death, and judgment. Therefore, it has one primary purpose, which is to constantly be making new disciples for Jesus Christ. And of course, the, the references up there, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, going through that whole section. Um, is that the right one? No, go to the next slide, please. There we go. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 is uh, just a great verse. Peter's just made this uh, declaration of who Jesus is. 
You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what a, what a tremendous thing. And Jesus responds to him, and he says, on this rock, on this profession of faith in me and my purposes, he says, I will build my church. And then he uses this next phrase, which is so critical, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Now, he, he is painting a picture there that oftentimes in, our, in churches is overlooked. But he pictures hell as a place that is keeping captive the souls of individuals. And the church is to be a force against those gates of hell. And and, and Jesus makes this promise that the church uh, will overcome those gates. Those gates will not prevail if the church does its job. And so, again, to understand that, that uh, uh, tying that into the verses right up there, but the verse I would go to would be the Great Commission. Jesus left this world saying that we as the church are to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, making disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey his word. So just so critical that we understand uh, this assumption that the church is to be a force. We're not to hide. We're not to, the world's not out there, and, and we've got to cloister together because it's so evil it's going to attack us. We're to be a force in the midst of darkness. One of the things that we saw yesterday, thanks for those who endured uh, 12 hours of training crammed into about four hours, uh, but uh, one of the things that we understand is within a two-and-a-half-mile radius of where you're sitting right now, over 80,000 people live. 80,000 people. That's your mission field. That's the force you're supposed to be as a church to engage in the gospel ministry because many of those souls, many of those hearts are being held captive by Satan. And you're to be a force that overcomes those gates that are holding them captive that you might win them. Um, The third assumption that we make is that the gospel never changes, but the church must change constantly. One of the things that we understand, if you read through the book of Acts, is the book of Acts is about the church and its ability to adapt to a whole new culture. The church started out as a a group of, of Jewish believers, deeply entrenched in their faith, and expands to the rest of the world. And as you, as you look at the book of Acts, you just see how that the, it's constantly changing. The core message never changes, but the methodology changes continually because we understand we are to be missionaries in the world. Paul said it best. He said, to the weak I became weak. Why? To win the weak. I've become all things to all men, and then those next few words, so that by all possible means, I might save some. So what's on the table that's a non-negotiable for you? If, if, if God were asking you to reach your community, what are you willing to change to have a greater impact for Jesus Christ? Paul says, I, anything that by all possible means um, we might win some. The fourth assumption, which is the key one that I wanted to get to, is this, that the church's primary identity is that of being 
the body of Christ. There are a lot of metaphors in Scripture about the identity of the church. We are the bride of Christ. That's a metaphor. It paints a picture in our mind that we can build upon, and it takes one aspect of that. Um, we, uh, Christ is the foundation of the church. Uh, the, the church is a rock. Those are all metaphors. But there's one thing that consistently seems to be revealed, especially in the epistles, is that the church's core identity is to be the body of Christ, the physical manifestation of Christ in the world. That's what the church is. And, and, and the question that always comes back is, if Christ were in your community, if Christ were living in your midst, what would he be doing? Well, I mean, it's very easy. Just go to uh, the Gospels and start watching Jesus. And, and he was always interacting with people. He was living a redemptive life. And the question is, are you choosing to be a relationally redemptive body? One of the things we found is very strong within this congregation is this idea of relationship. Boy, it just is, is, is just such a tremendous thing that you have a very positive thing. But is that relationship focused on being a redemptive body to those 80,000 people that surround here? You know, it's really easy for us to think of children in Africa or some des desperate, destitute area of needing the gospel and all the while overlooking that God has placed us in the middle of a bunch of people who knew Jesus. It's easy to go to those destitute places, dump our message on them, hopefully some of it sticks, and then come back to our little huddle and say, okay, well, we did it. While all the time, thousands of people are slipping into eternity, and we don't care. So catching that vision of being the body of Christ. So I just want to quickly run you through a couple of passages that will help us to identify Jesus' purpose for the church. If its identity is found in Jesus, then just a couple of things. that All we, all we have to do is go to the Bible and see where Jesus says, I have come to. Okay? So if, if Jesus said, I've come to do this, that really becomes a mandate to us as his church. So first of all, we understand that Jesus says, uh, for I have come, excuse me, I have come not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Here's, here's, here's news for you. Guess what? It's not about you. Sorry. Church isn't about you. Church isn't about what you like and don't like. Church isn't about making you feel always comfortable. Church is about doing the will of him who's sending us. And what is God concerned about? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Simplest verses. That whosoever believes in him should not perish. Guess what? Jesus entrusted that gospel message to you and to me. The question is, are we being good stewards of it? John chapter 10, verse 10 says, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. He didn't just come to give life in general. He came to give abundant life. And, and are we experiencing personally that abundant life? And then beyond that, look at all the people about you who are living in despair. 
I live down in the Firestone Frederick area just over the last week. Here's a man who kills his two children and his wife. I have friends that live within a block of there. No one knew. Because we live in this isolated world and society. Some of you do what I do, come home from work, push the garage door opener in my car, open the door, drive in, and never say boo to anybody. Right? Jesus says, I've come to give life and to give it in abundance. How are people going to hear that message if it isn't your willingness to share it with them? Two more points. The church's primary purpose, again, is still rooted in that. And Jesus says, I have come as light into the world. And whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Again, I take you back to that little home in Frederick, those innocent individuals, and there was darkness there. It had been residing there for some time. And we missed opportunity, right, to be the light of Jesus to those that are about us. You've got coworkers. You've got people that you run into on a day-to-day basis who are living in darkness. That darkness doesn't shine in their lives. In fact, it's just hidden away. But Jesus says, I, I've come as light so that those who believe will not be in darkness. And then lastly, I take you to the verse in John chapter 10, or 19 verse 10, that says, I have come to seek and to save the lost. Now, now think about this for just a second. What is the motion? There, there's motion involved in this passage. He says, I have come to seek and save the lost. There's no passivity to this verse. It's the intention that Jesus come. I'm I'm looking for people that they might know and not be lost any longer. So our assumptions are that the church is a redemptive body. And we are convinced that God's heart beats that redemptive relational rhythm. Just think about it. When he hung on that cross, his heart beating, it was to redeem those who were lost and in need of a Savior. And so as we come to this, what we're going to share in just moments, this report, you need to understand that forms the the basis of the things that we're going to look at and that we're going to offer you, uh, hopefully, help in addressing in the future. So let me just pray, and then in a second we're going to hand out some things, and I'm going to read it. It'll take me a little bit of time to work through it. Bear with me. Uh, but, uh, and, and I just say, if, if you're a visitor here and you don't want to sit through this, that, that's fine. I think it's great. You'd want to see a church that wants to do it better. And so, um, yeah, just hang with us if you can. Can't we understand? Let me pray. Father, I would just ask that as we share the report of this assessment process, um, that you'd help hearts to be receptive to it, help help them to understand the the, the foundation upon which we offer this, 
um, the eyes that we look at the church through uh, so that God, it can have a greater impact on the thousands of people who are far and separated from you and need to know you. And so, God, we just ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so what I'm going to do is it's four pages of stuff, and I'm going to read through, try not to comment too much because I want to keep it as concise as I can. Um, You're going to get this, and you're going to start reading it feverishly, but just hang with me, and we'll just work through each one of the statements um, that we have prepared for you. So first again, I I would just remind you, it's a great thing when a church is willing to open themselves up to this. And I commend Pastor John. You have to understand, this is one of the most threatening things for a pastor to go through. Uh, Because, uh, you know, the great concern is, are they going to say, they're going to find out, I'm not supposed to be here, or what are they going to do? That's not the case at all. You have a, a great pastor Uh, that uh, we want to celebrate. So let's talk about these things. Strengths, community. Uh, And I'm probably going to skip over a lot in the strengths aspect of it, but there's a great sense of of community within Hill City Church. And many expressed how they value the times of being together as a church, life groups and activities. I tell you, every time it seems they gather, somebody brings in a a, a tray of food. It's just as uh, we did the focus groups and there was food there and everything. Every place we go, there's food. Uh, But that's a great thing because that's where community does take place. Now, hopefully, I I hope, I don't know if I printed enough for everybody to get one. So if you can share them as families, that would be good. All right? So again, there's a great sense of community. And that last sentence in that state or in that paragraph says, seldom do we experience a church with the spirit of love, camaraderie, and that word is really a good one, uh, of mutual trust and friendship, and joy as we have working with Hill City Church. So um, it's just a tremendous uh, group of people who enjoy being together. Uh, Yeah, uh, just even beforehand noting that, you enjoy being together. Secondly, Okay, of the top 10 survey questions that were rated as strengths, six of them are related to worship service, including both preaching and teaching uh, and music in the church. So uh, just, uh, I already noted it, just tremendous worship service. What are you guys kicking at here? They, They don't bite. I... I, I, I thought maybe, I, I know my preaching's good, but I thought maybe you guys were slain in the spirit. <laughs> okay, anyways, uh, I already said it. The worship is great. Um, we, we, we think things are very positive there. That's, that's a very tractional thing, uh, especially in our culture today. The third thing we notice as strength is leadership. And I jokingly say, okay, we get it, okay? Pastor John and his wife, Candace, are greatly appreciated by the congregation. Amen? Uh, yeah, he, they, they are great. They're a great team in ministry, um, do a tremendous job. He's a gifted communicator of, the, of God's word. Um, s- several people characterize the style of preaching, and we heard this word over and over and over again, authentic 
practical and down to earth. In fact, I think in yesterday's teaching time, uh, we identified authenticity as one of your key values that you have as a church. And uh, he is a great example of that. They are both uh, great models of servant leadership. And uh, just really, you appreciate them, and I've grown to appreciate them even more and more. Uh, The ministry leaders and elders have a deep love for Jesus and his bride. Uh, I loved getting together several times with the leaders and just their enthusiasm and uh, just sense of unity uh, was a a very, very positive aspect of the church and uh, what goes on here. Congregational demographics. On both uh, the ethnic and generational level, Hell City Church is positively unique. Just kind of look around. And you see, um, there's just a lot of diversity. You are more diverse as a church than the community is diverse. Which I count as a a big positive for you. Um, Just again, the connections, uh, the the image you project just in in being together is is one of community uh, that, that doesn't have boundaries to it. And so age-wise, uh, one, one of the things that you as a congregation have going for you that is extremely positive is you have a higher percentage of, a, of the demographic between uh, 20 and 39 or someplace in there uh, than the community. You're a younger congregation than your community, and you have within the congregation the demographic that most churches are longing to have. So that's a huge positive thing you have going for you. And then the children's uh, middle school and women's ministries. While many of the ministries of the church were noted by the survey respondents as being valued and effective, these three key ministries have been and continue to be useful in attracting families and individuals. Um, We tell churches all the time, it used to be the mindset is that youth, high school age, was uh, the group that we needed to focus on. And that isn't that we need to ignore them, but the growth engine of the church is the children's ministry. Because no time in our culture has it been more likely that parents will be connected to their children uh, than at those younger ages. High school kids are much more independent as it would be. And so if you can create attraction to children's ministry you typically are able to get their parents. Because pretty soon it's going to be a law. I don't know if you saw this past week, but the, the family that got reported to child service because the daughter uh, took the dog for a walk. Okay? Well, that's our culture. Our culture is very fearful. So wherever children go, their parents have a tendency to go with them type of a thing. So uh, the women's ministry, again, is a positive. There's a lot of excitement and energy there. And so many, many good things going on. If we didn't list your ministry, it isn't because it's a bad ministry. It's just these stuck out and uh, have significance in relationship to that. So now we have to shift. There are many other strengths we could note, but those are some core strengths uh, that the church should value. But let's talk about some of the concerns that we found. Uh, The first is a sense of mission or purpose. Uh, A sense of mission or purpose, the vision, that is the expected results of fulfilling your purpose, is critical to any organization. It's our observation that there is an absence of clarity, and more importantly, ownership, 
of a unifying, compelling, outwardly focused mission and vision. You as a church are more prone to be inwardly focused than outwardly focused. We've repeatedly heard and, uh, that people are tired, tired of the setup and the teardown each week, of having too many responsibilities and of people not following through on their commitments to serve. This, is a sense of frustra- this sense of frustration is often a sign of the absence of a gospel-focused mission and vision. When you can capture people's hearts with a vision for the lost, they will expend themselves to accomplish that. But if your focus is on just serving you, even though you serve yourselves well, it doesn't advance the mission. In general, most people are very content. This is good critical mass. You look around and you say, well, we got, we got a good group of people here. This is a great church in many ways. All the while, missing the point, there are 80,000 people out there. You, you, may I be so crass as to say, you have a product that's good enough to sell. You have a great experience here. Why would you not want more people to experience that? Um, church has critical uh, discontentedness. Uh, the feel-good factors are relatively high for most attendees. The church has enough critical mass attendance on Sunday mornings. Many individuals within the current congregation have healthy relationships with one another. You found that your friends are here. This is the group that you like to be with. Uh, finances are at a level that allows the congregation to do things producing a sense of activity or busyness. It appears that Hill City has replaced a high va- has placed a high value upon relationships within the organization that's an inward focus at the expense of developing strategies of reaching those who are far from God in the surrounding community. In the survey and the interviews there's a noticeable absence of concern for the lost in your primary sphere of ministry influence. When we did interviews and when we, in the survey, very, very seldom anybody say, we need to be reaching more people. There are people dying and going to hell all about us. And yet we know that Jesus came with that mindset to seek and save the lost. That's, that was his, one of his big focuses. But a lot of that comes from the comfort that you have from just being together. The absence of an outwardly focused mission and vision impacts the energy of workers, the effectiveness of ministry, and the generosity of of the attendees. And so mission and vision become so critical. We we projected a picture of a car up on the screen uh, with the steering wheel and the passenger seat and the back seat. And the question is, what's driving your car? Who's, who's sitting behind the, the, the steering wheel with their foot on the gas pedal? And what we say is in a healthy church, mission and vision is in the driver's seat. Relationships are in your driver's seat. Mission and vision is maybe even sometimes absent. So it just becomes critical. The second concern we have is staffing. You are understaffed at the pastoral level and at the administrative staff level. The basic standard for staffing 
is one full-time pastoral staff salary for every 100 attendees. And it doesn't always work out that you have to hire a full-time staff member, but there's compensation built into the budget for, uh, that would cover one employee or one staff member, but you can spread it out between a bunch of pa- uh, part-time individuals. Um, yeah, uh, Pastor John and Candace, along with others, have done an admirable job given the current staff attendee ratio, but it creates an environment of potential burnout for one or both or for others engaged in ministry. Um, I, I, he, doesn't, he is not going to like hearing this, but you need to hear this. You, if you don't make some changes, you're going to burn your pastor out. The very thing you cherish so greatly, the pastor and his wife. And so you've got to make some adjustments if you want to, if you're concerned about their well-being. Okay? So that's just a big factor that you need to consider. It's important to note uh, in that, that whole thing of, of hiring staff, but it's important to note that uh, of John's ministry strengths, which are many, um, and have been important in the success of Hill City Church, administration and strategic planning is not his natural strength. Okay? Um, so you just need to recognize. So what, what do you do? You, you staff to his weakness so that that can be fulfilled. Candace picks up a lot of that. What, what are you laughing? <laughs> Anyways, um, if you're not concerned, please take my concern. Um, you need to be concerned about your pastor and his well-being. And so a big part of this is uh, producing the, the adequate staff to carry that on. Again, it doesn't have to be one full-time person. It could be a bunch or several part-time individuals um, that can lighten the load and come alongside him in that process. Uh, the third thing we note here is the absence or ineffectiveness of critical systems and pathways. Hill City Church's success has been based upon relational, on a relational foundation, which is common to small churches. But you are experiencing the pains of having reached the small church relational threshold. As uh, Pastor Fight stated, he made this statement, and I thought it was just great, you function as an amoeba. You're a singular cell organization. But you're past that point. Uh, this, this is a bigger congregation than just one pastor can do. And beyond that, not only can one pastor do, but also now you have to develop structures to support that as you move forward. That really becomes critical. Um, uh, where am I? There I am. The church is a living organism. We talked about that. You're the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ grows, the systems needed to produce health increase in their importance. Failure to define, develop, and continually assess the core ministry systems will limit the scope, growth, and health that a ministry can attain and sustain. As stated before, the ten core ministry systems, only two systems, that is inspiring worship and healthy relationships, achieved a strength rating. Um, You've done a tremendous job getting where you're at at this point, but you can't sustain this without creating those systems. So on page three, it says, to fulfill your identity as the body of Christ, the following systems or paths are critical and in need of attention. One, the first one is outreach and evangelism. Hill City lacks 
strategic intentionality of moving the influence of Jesus Christ into the surrounding community. doesn't mean you don't have impact, but you need to be more strategic in that. Assimilation, the easiest and least costly people to connect with are guests that attend your services. A clear strategy that encourages first-time attendees to become followers of Christ must be developed and communicated effectively. The third system is discipleship. Defining discipleship metrics and establishing strategies for moving people on the discipleship pathway to becoming fully committed followers of Christ. That, that's the standard of discipleship. The standard of discipleship is you need to be looking like Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 makes that really plain. Um, so the, moving people along that pathway needs to be defined and established. Um, it's critical it's, uh, let's see, making them fully committed followers of Christ is critical to any church fulfilling the great commission, great commandment mandate. So how are we making people move along that pathway? Here's the thing. You cannot create fully committed followers of Christ on a Sunday morning worship service. It can be a very positive contribution to that. But engaging people in, in deeper relationships with God's word and with the spirit working in their lives so that they become more like Christ uh, has to be done on a strategic level. And then lastly, last system that's missing is leadership development. Fewer born leaders, the rest must be made or developed. Intentionality in this area is critical to the church, is to critical, critical to church health and the expansion of influence, which is leadership. Okay, two more, then we'll start addressing these. Communication. In, a, in survey responses, individual interviews and focus group meetings, a breakdown in communication was noted. It was more than just the idea of being uninformed about events, even though there were some comments along those lines. In general, the comments related to three areas. People don't understand the leadership structure. They know John is a pastor and Paul is an elder, but they are uncertain of the identity of other leaders like elders and deacons and what it is they actually do. And so that becomes, again, a critical thing for the infrastructure of a church as you grow. Another area of missing information centers around plans for the future. Communication of where you are going and how you're going to get there is essential for capturing a spirit of passion. That burnout comes because we don't know. We, we, Sunday morning is the big deal. We put a lot of energy into Sunday morning. But what's the bigger picture here? What are we trying to accomplish? And after a little while, the, the, the flash of, oh, yeah, we do Sunday morning, well, subsides and people begin to get burnt out. I'm doing this because Why? And so communication of that becomes critical. Lastly, the financial status of the church. People need to know how their giving is helping to advance God's purpose or mission in order to foster greater generosity. Um, you, you've got, some of you are very faithful givers. Very, very faithful. And you, any church you would go to, you would be a faithful giver. Many of you aren't being good stewards of your finances. Uh, one of the great hindrances to hiring staff is the financial side of this. And so giving to a vision, people will give passionately to a vision. If you don't have a vision, then people are just wondering, are they just giving to maintain? 
So the absence of critical communication is fostering a sense of clickishness. Don't, don't, let me start over and emphasize this statement. The absence of critical communication is fostering a sense of clickishness, which means some feel inside and some feel outside, which can be a powerful cancer. My word is intentional there. It's a cancer in a congregation. As soon as you begin to foster that idea that there are those who are on the inside and they're privileged and there are those of us on the outside and we can't figure out how to get on the inside, all of a sudden now it's us against them, which will hinder your relationships with one another. And then lastly is historically Hill City Church has grown on the basis of relationship, friendship, and trust. This has not required much structure, but as stated earlier, you have reached the limits of this laissez-faire organizational structure. So you have to put some bones to the body, as it would be. Now, here's the thing. Bones are not fascinating. They're not flashy. They're not really, you know, you don't get enamored with bones. Uh, But because you lack those structures, it'll hinder your growth from moving forward. So here are our prescriptions. These are the things we we think that if we raise a concern, then we have to give you a solution. How, How can you move forward in addressing that? First of all, mission and vision. Mission and vision cannot be merely stated or taught. It must be demonstrated and modeled. Therefore, we're suggesting the elders will review the mission statement to assure clarity and alignment to the great commission focus of making more disciples of Jesus Christ and a great commandment passion of loving God and others. Once this mission is affirmed, the leadership of Hill City Church will lead the congregation to do these things. Develop a vision of the church based on two key numbers. They can establish the numbers. We won't give you the specific numbers. But the first number is a faith goal of how many new believers will come to Jesus Christ in the next year through the life of this congregation. A good beginning point is a baptism rate, because baptism within your faith group and mine uh, is the key factor of people making a decision for Jesus Christ. So baptism is the number we look for that you establish a baptism rate of 10% of the average Sunday morning worship attendance. Now, let me make clear this distinction. We make a distinction between evangelistic baptisms and discipleship baptisms. We're talking about evangelistic baptisms here. Discipleship baptisms are some of what you experienced very recently in the children who are involved in your ministries coming to that point where they make a decision to follow Jesus and they want to express it in in, uh, baptism. But we're talking about you're going to be praying and asking God to give you the opportunity to see unsaved people in your community come to know Jesus Christ. They say, well, you guys are all about numbers. No, those numbers represent souls. Okay, and you establish this 10% growth rate. Let's say, for the sake of easy math on Sunday morning, uh, there's 100 people here. What's what's the goal that you're going to be praying for? 10 people. Now, anybody here opposed to 10 people coming to know Jesus as their Savior? Okay, good news. They're not opposed. The question is, in the past, how have you strategically planned to reach 10 new people for Jesus Christ? Have you prayed for 10 new people to come to Jesus Christ? 
So I, I countlessly go into churches, and, and, and we ask that, you know, they say, we're, we're a praying church. We like to pray. Well, when was the last time you heard someone pray for someone to get saved? Make that an intentional act on your part. The second number reinforces the first number. The second number will be the number of times people are touched by the love of Jesus through the outreach events and ministries of the church during the next year. It would not be unreasonable to have a goal of several thousand touches with the love of Jesus. Okay, now we've established some dates. They're not set in stone, but they give you some goals to do this. Uh, I, I will tell you, I did this at a little church up in Maine, very rural Maine, a little community in Maine. Anybody here ever wear Dexter shoes? Remember Dexter shoes? Nobody knows where Dexter shoes are. Um, Maine, Maine there, were, there were a lot of shoe companies up in Maine, and Dexter, Maine, uh, which was the headquarter for Dexter Shoes, a little church, just very rural community, and we did this, and they established a, a Touches with the Love of Jesus at 20,000 Touches. Now, they had a community fair that went on, and they just thought for sure, we can touch people with the love of Jesus. It's, it's the idea of handing out a bottle of water. It, it's the idea of taking a moment and finding somebody in distress and praying with them. Uh, it's, it's just simple little things where you manifest the love of Jesus towards somebody. You accumulate those. Wouldn't you love to hear stories of how people in your congregation, not the pastor, he's paid to be good, right? You're good for nothing. And, and no, 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 no. So here's the thing. Wouldn't it be great to hear people give testimony of how they stopped in the busyness of their life and just prayed with somebody or just, just cared for somebody in the midst of all their struggles? Those are the types of stories that tell you as a body we are being Christ in our community. So just so, so critical. So you establish those, you track them, uh, you pray towards them, you strategize towards those things. The other thing that we're going to challenge you to do is conduct at least three church-wide outreach bridge events. And we talked a little bit about bridge events yesterday, but we'll coach you in the area of this. Bridge events in your ministry area in the next 12 months uh, with the training of an outside uh, source us, uh, ministry coach or somebody else that you might want to get. Uh, the third thing is that you're going to initiate a mission audit of each ministry in the church. And each ministry must demonstrate how it participates in the mission a minimum of three times a year, realizing that it's, uh, if such does not occur, the ministry will be adjusted or canceled. You don't have energy to put uh, into ministries that are not helping you do the mission. You're all too busy already. So if it's not helping you advance the mission of the church, don't do it. It may be a good thing, but you're at a point where you can't afford to do good things. You have to do the best things to help you be the church that God wants you to be. Um, anyways, we give you some deadlines in relationship to that and uh, gave you a process in which you can begin to assess ministries to help them be missional. Um, the second uh, prescription, yes, the second prescription is this, critical systems. With the absence or ineffectiveness of critical systems, all of which are important, you will need to begin work on the systems that will help engage in God's purpose for your church of making more disciples. The three key ones that we think you have to invest in is first, the development of an effective assimilation process. 
Pastor John, with the aid of the ministry coach and ministry leader uh, and a ministry leader heading this area, will develop and deploy an assimilation process that will focus on bringing those not yet part of Hill City Church into a vital relationship with the church. You have a somewhat of an assimilation process, but again, the idea is how do we get those people that are out there in here to experience God in our midst. So very, very critical to that. The second thing you have to develop system is an out, uh, outreach and evangelism. Connecting with those who are far from God in your surrounding community must become a core value of Hill City Church. Pastor John, the elders, will identify a ministry leader who will help in the areas of evangelism. Pastor John and uh, this leader will discover opportunities to mobilize the congregation individually and corporately as missionaries in your community. You recognize that, right? You are the missionaries. When we talk about ministers, who's the minister? Not him. You are, right? You got that. That's been told you before. You are the ministers. And so we got to mobilize you in your community. Then thirdly, the third core system is clarifying life group ministry. The life group ministry needs to become the primary outlet for the church's strength of developing friendships. Authenticity takes place in small groups. And so you need to invest extra energy and effort in making sure, because as you grow, you have to be a, you got to move from that amoeba cell to multi-cell, but you don't want to lose probably the biggest core value you have, and that is being authentic with one another. So small group ministry is the key to achieving that. Additional life groups, which means additional life group leaders, will need to be developed to connect new people to one another. Here's, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but this Lego principle, that you only have opportunity to connect with a certain number of people before you don't have room of time and energy in your life. And so, you know, the, one of the strategies used to be is these small groups, we break them up. You know, you go along for a little while and then we break you up and we try to get new people involved in it. But nothing kills small group quicker than throwing a new body into it. And so what we've found is that what churches need to do is create new opportunities for new people to connect with one another. And so you multiply what is the strength that you have. So leaders will be essential in that. Communication. While technology has created new ways of communicating, those new ways have added to the complexity of communication. Communication must be ramped up at all levels. With the assistance of a coach, an audit of the current communication strategies will be completed. A part-time administrative assistant will be tasked with the deployment of a communication strategy. Um, again, we, we just saw several areas where communication breaks down. Like yesterday morning, we had communication break down. And so we got to figure out how can we help you up your communication? Because as new people come in, they're not going to be familiar with all your ways, which oftentimes is kind of this mystic, I told somebody and they told somebody and it just kind of goes on that way. Uh, so you got to ramp up communication because that is essential. Not only communication about what's going on, but what you have for people, you know, programs and uh, your small, small group ministry and all just sorts of aspects of that needs to be ramped up. 
The, the fourth thing that we talk about is John's leadership needs to be refocused. Instead of doing ministry, he must develop others for ministry. With the assistance of a coach, the leadership will identify key areas that need either empowered volunteer or paid staffing. These individuals must have proven skill levels. In other words, you don't just get somebody who needs a job. They need to have proven skill levels or experience in the needed area. The ability to recruit others, not just good workers. And ministry strengths that complement John's strength in order to take things off his plate. Okay? Now, let me just back up the ability to recruit others, not just good workers. You who are ministry leaders, you need to understand you've previously been tasked with doing ministry. Your job changes. You need to be those who are getting others engaged. That's a hard thing for people to do because most of us are doers. Few of us are team builders. And so one of the great difficulties you're going to have is so many of you are just capable, very capable of doing, but you've, you've outlived um, the, the number and the ability of you to be those types of leaders. So you have to build teams to make that happen. Then lastly, with coaching, the leadership will pursue an understanding of the accountable leadership model. A couple of books that kind of speak to it is Leading Leaders by Aubrey Moffers, Winning on Purpose by a guy named John Kaiser. Uh, the goal of the accountable leadership model is to create the organizational structure that will guide the church to empower ministry leaders, that is your staff, to develop ministries through clearly defined lines of responsibility, authority, accountability, and the resources. A lot of wording, but basically it's get some organization put together here that really empowers ministry leaders. Remember this, you don't hire staff. You're going you're gonna to invest money in individuals. Other than administrative people, you don't hire people to do ministry. You hire staff to get others engaged in the ministry. That becomes absolutely critical. And lastly, just summing this all up, it would be highly recommended that you employ a coach for the church and for Pastor John to help navigate and deploy the following prescriptions. Uh, Matthew Fite, the pastor that worked with me, is a potential coach, uh, coaching resource. I, I'm a resource to, to Pastor John and the church in whatever way I can be to help you in the midst of this because we think God is doing something in your midst and that it, with intentionality, he is going to do great things for your future. And we look forward to that. So I'll, uh, I, at this point, because of time, I'll hang around. If you have some questions for me, I'd be happy to take those. If you're mad, talk to Paul. <laughs> uh, but there's nothing really to be mad about. There's, there's so much good here. You should want to make it even better. And so uh, I, I'm praying that God will do that in your midst. So. Thanks so much. I believe the goal of all this, even though I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, <laughs> some of it hurts uh, deeply for me uh, because I take it very personally. But yeah, we love, thank you. Thank you, Tim. 
But the goal is I want you to be informed. I want you to know. It's not, we're not hiding anything from you. We're not perfect. But we want to be healthier. And we want to impact people's lives. That's it, man. We want to make an impact. I believe every person in here, there's something in us that believes that God has put us here to make an impact not a, especially in our community, but into our world, that God has put us together. And the more we can come together to do that, and the more informed that we could be in our weaknesses so that we can become strong, stronger, and then lean into Christ to really get us to those places that we are dreaming to get to. I want us to come along and do this together. I want you to come along and do this with me. I, we, the leadership, there's no way that we can do the vision that God has placed us here to do. But together, I know we absolutely can. So I want you to be in prayer with the things. Take this home and pray. Pray for me. Pray for us. Because we are the body of Christ to live out Christ in our community and for our community, right? And so that is our a longing. That is our desire. And I want to see what God can do with us getting the right things in place and with just man just laser focus and i hope you get focused with us let's pray let's pray heavenly father i thank you for stand i thank you for the words that hurt god because sometimes it needs to hurt god i pray lord awaken the areas that need to awaken lord god and strengthen the areas that need to be strengthened lord god we trust in you and we the greatest thing is that we lean back into salvation we believe that jesus that you died for our sins, Lord God, that we might live an abundant life, Lord God. And that there's people in this room, I believe, even right now, and people outside these doors that need your love, Lord God, need to know that they are absolutely loved, Lord. No strings attached from you, God. And they need to hear from you. They need to know your love, God. And I believe the people in this room, Lord God, that you have equipped them and you are equipping them, Lord God, to be the light, the city on the hill, Lord God, the hill city, God. I pray that be our desire today as we are beginning. I believe this is the beginning of consultation. It's not the end. It is the, it is the, it is the light. To, to It is turning on the switch of who we are, God, and who you want us to be. And I pray, Lord God, turn that on in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Stan, once again. Thank you, Stan. And uh, I'm just really excited for what God is going to do. Get to know one another and hope to see you next week. We're going to be very excited and we're going to get organized and we're going to move forward with a greater vision. God bless you guys.